Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Took a little break here, I think, it seems like, for a couple uh, couple weeks. Well, I haven't been here forever. Well, that's true. Like. Yeah, that's true. This well, is a- we haven't been in the studio for, I think, like three full weeks or something like that, and it, I don't like it. It was I a weird, all, it, like, unintentional itchy. break. Yeah. yeah, just how the how the schedule fell, you know what I mean? But uh, that's all right. We're here. It's one of my favorite times of the month. We get to sit down and talk about some Disney history. But today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not doing Disneyland. We're going to branch out into everybody's favorite, um, I don't know, dartboard, I guess, <laughs> uh, Epcot. <laughs> There's a lot of history in Walt Disney World, and uh, you know the when we started the show, we're like, ah, I don't know who cares about Disney World. This is Disneyland. No one really talks about Disneyland. Well, now we're sort of interested in flipping that around because Disney World has a ton to offer. We've covered a lot of Disneyland, and so this is our sort of our first foray into what happens in Disney World. What happened? How did it happen? Who made it happen? And why is it still happening? Or something like that. Today, Taryn's going to talk to us about the history of Epcot Center. Epcot Center, which I don't even really know what that is, but it's a four-hour show tonight. So <laughs> sit, is it not? No. Oh. Aww. What's the difference between Epcot Center and Epcot? What's going on? Because I know, I think it was Chapek, maybe, who said something, at, like they were writing something on Instagram and they tagged, they called something Epcot oh. Center, but it wasn't, that's not the name anymore. And I was like, I, that goes way over my head. I have no idea. Well, Jeremy can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they dropped... The center in uh, 94, I think is what you said. Or 93. Okay. Yeah, correct. And so yes. now it's just Epcot. But when it originally opened, it was Epcot Center. Okay. All right. Well, and uh, joining us, of course, is uh, Eric. But we also have uh, resident Epcot expert, Jeremy. And I just want you guys to, to feel comfortable. If Taryn gets something wrong, <laughs> just jump right in. I got the press music, uh, the press room already here. <sighs> Um, I already got it ready. Oh, do I? No, oh, I'll be I honest. Do? Like I was. She's not going to get anything wrong. I don't. She'll know. be fine. What if I do? I've actually been very excited for this show. I did a lot of research, but then I saw Jeremy's face, and I was like, "Ooh, oh no!" I feel that way too. Whenever I see Jeremy's face, I go, "Ooh, <laughs> not, not, not. Oh no!" Well, no, uh. that'll be. I mean, honestly, that'll be cool because if you did research and it was incorrect, then and Jeremy knows, then 
it's cool to have someone here who can set the record straight. First of all, how dare you assume that the research my wife Fix does is, is incorrect, but Jeremy knows everything. I'm not saying it's incorrect. I'm saying just in case something that she did read was not accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much misinformation out there, too. Like, you know, for a long Thank time, you. and I talked about this <laughs> when I did Spaceship Earth. Yeah, I think on the last main show is that for a long time, we thought that the narrator was Vic Perrin. And mm-hmm. then uh, who was it? Marty Sklar came out and said it wasn't. And then actually he was wrong and it came out and it, it actually was Vic Perrin. So even Imagineers give us wrong information. So Taryn, yeah, back don't and forth. worry about it. Thank you. That's true. I that, I have a habit. Uh, it's a it's a more of a mantra to never trust anyone over the age of 40 for that reason, because their memory is not really sharp and you never really know. Well, Dang. you're assuming yeah. a lot. So don't listen to you and me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the oldest one here. Um, that's absolutely very true. You can still listen to me. Yeah, listen to Tara. Yeah, do that. <laughs> you were so happy oh, to say that. Me too. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> Aw, isn't that the sweetest thing? Yeah, well, look, we got to give the kids a thrill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're going to any of the parks or even the parks adjacent or you're traveling anywhere, hit up concierge.com. Go to concierge.com. They will help you plan the best Disney Parks vacation you have ever had. And I mean that not because I've done it, but I've read online. I've talked to these people. Uh, Bev has done it a couple of times. A lot of people have done the concierge thing. They will book your hotel for you. They will book everything for you. They will book your dining reservations for you at no cost other than whatever the parks charge for tickets and, of course, you know, hotel and whatever. But concierge... Yeah, I know. The why, hotel's why, not Why free. haven't you done it? I mean, come on. Well, we haven't gone. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All Who right. knows? I just, it's a thing. I don't know. I really like being cooped up in the house. Uh, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> check them out. Concierge.com. Follow them online. They have an Instagram account and, uh, they'll, you know, they get like little fun uh, insights into the parks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, check them out. They're going on Disney cruises as well. All that kind of nice stuff. So check them out. Concierge.com. Um, you guys, the discord is up and, you know, people are joining every now and then it's fun, man. The discord is, I think, I think is solidified. I was a little concerned about it when we started the discord channel. It's like, well, I don't really know. It's a whole, now it's like just another almost like social media platform that we have to get people on board. But turns out a lot of people in there just already, they already have discord. It's sort of like a a thing without being a thing, if that makes sense. But Discord is sort of popping, so check it out. There's a permanent link under all of the show posts, all of the show notes from moving forward. So feel free to join. Come in, slide in, throw a meme up, throw a Jeremy reaction up to, you know, whatever you want to do, man. Yeah, you were concerned when you launched it. I grow concerned every time I open. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on. Well, and it's funny because um, we basically, like, don't get feedback anymore. Like, yeah. we, we haven't had feedback in months and months and months. And no. I kind of feel like part of it is because people just talk to us on Discord. So if, like, they have, if they want to talk about something or they have a question or they ask or there's a problem with something, they just yeah. say it on Discord and then it gets fixed. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's you interesting. What? What, what concerns me is actually, I think Uh-oh. this is a larger issue, is that after all this time, Bev came onto the Supreme Resort and revealed that she has only gotten one high ever. It's true. Ever. Yeah, Bev's gotten oh. high one time. That's actually also true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I think, uh, I, I don't think that, that feedback necessarily, like people writing into a, a show via email is a thing anymore. 
I just don't think it ha- it just doesn't happen, you know, either or people emailing. Or emailing in general, yeah. Yeah, you're just going to slide into somebody's DMs. Yeah, if you have any uh, problems, you can text Beverly at 925-37. Yeah, but block, 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 block. I'm worried, though, because wasn't there a time where people were emailing and you were and you weren't getting it. Mm, that is true. I just hope we're not in one of those black holes again. And like people have actually been emailing. We aren't. After that. <laughs> we just have hella feedback. We just don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like it's piling up actually. There's been a few times where I've gotten caught by the spam filter, but I have been in missed important emails or whatever. So now for the past couple of years, I think I, I check my spam folder like a nut. Okay. Like twice a day. And, uh, you know, I, I've, 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 it is not. And I've gotten a couple of emails that through. Oh, man, how did that, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah. yeah, nothing, uh, nothing like that. So okay, it is what it is. If you want to support the show, you can go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Coveyers. We have a whole bunch of shirts up there. And, of course, Coveyers. But the best way to support the show is go to Patreon.com slash Ears Up. Sign up, be a Patreon subscriber. As little as five bucks a month. You get the secret show get a bunch of other cool stuff and you get all of our back catalog of all these extra shows that we've done and even just extra extra content on top of the secret show it's a good way to keep us going and uh keep the lights on here on the um on the old pot i gotta tell you before we start the show i suddenly felt like really old today and you know i've sort of struggled with that i'm only 44 i'm not really that old but i've been sort of feeling it well, today I'm like sitting on the couch and Alice is eating lunch at the little, you know, table or whatever, like sort of like behind the couch. And I had this wild idea to kind of like show off for my child. So she's like eating and she looks at me and I'm like, all right, I'm going to jump over the back of the couch. So like from a sitting position, I sort of rotate and I put my hand on the back of the couch, basically leap over the back of the couch and try to land on the ground. I don't know if... Uh, gravity in that spot is a little more focused or uh, my muscles have atrophied in my arms because I couldn't get enough lift to like really clear the couch. So I caught my foot on the back of the couch and basically landed laying down on the floor and it, I slammed my knee into the ground and I had my uh, my forearm out to sort of like stop myself, but it was at like a weird angle, almost like a 45 where I could feel the bone sort of like catch on the side of my like socket or whatever. And like mm-hmm. it stopped and then went forward. I was like, oh, I'm laying on the ground just in utter pain. I'm going, ah, I'm dying. Alice goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> I fell, Alice. What do you want from me? My back hurts. My ankle hurts. Like I have four. I'm just, I don't know, man, I'm a mess. And like at that moment, I realized like I am, I cannot do that anymore. I, I don't have full, uh, <laughs> full control of my extremities any longer. Your, your days of flipping over couches are over. That's, yeah. It's sad. It we is. all get there. We do. And it, it bums me out. And the first inkling I had of this, it was a couple of years ago, I think Bev, when we were in Chico or something, when Sam and I were racing down the hallway, 
And you've seen those videos on like America's Funniest Videos or where like older people, they're running, but they're, you're leaning, they're leaning forward, but they're not moving any faster. And so their center of gravity goes and like their legs come out from under them and they just tumble forward. That was almost me running down the hallway. I'm like, okay, I can't do this, but I can surely can leap over the side of a cat. No, I messed myself up. <laughs> Painful. Painful stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that the, the good idea, especially was was Taryn home at the time. Taryn was home, but she was upstairs working. Okay, well that's at good least at least because I would I I worry that you're gonna do try you know attempt a reverse hect off the back of your couch, miss the dismount, and break your neck, and then Alice is well, sitting there trying to finish lunch. I know, and I'm putting <laughs> her out, but I, I am gonna try it again. I can't just not do it. I have to make it. I have to make it happen, but no, I think I, I like almost I rolled think, my ankle. I think you can just not do it. Really, though? I want to yeah. show my child that I'm still agile. Maybe you I, need to work your way up to a couch. Like, maybe uh, let's start with something smaller. Like a cushion? Like a cushion. <laughs> or or a something shoe. that's next to a pit of those plastic balls. Mm. And you can land in there. And then, you know, I don't I don't think you have graduated to couch yet. And, you know, maybe then we go to a love seat. And then you can oh, or an, o- an ottoman, an ottoman. Yes. Mm. Mm. So you're you're calling for a, a training montage mm-hmm. with some cool music I, behind it. Absolutely. Video <laughs> okay. This. Okay. You can't just go right to the high dive. You've got to get. You got to work your way up. But I I used to do it all the time. That's what I mean. I'm missing. I'm missing a step. So Abby's well, like all about gymnastics right now, and I used to be able to like do the splits and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I can show you. Beverly. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> she cannot show you how she low can she go not that very low yeah oh man <laughs> i'm just saying I, i'm not trying that again because i know my limitations yeah well i think it's very smart i think it's very smart but uh, anyway, that's what's going on with me i'm in um i'm in pain our friends at the 21st amendment brewery welcome the warmer weather with the release of their brand new hoppy pilsner Coaster Pills. With a label that depicts a magical portal into an amusement park of flavors, Coaster Pills has a good time around every turn. Coaster Pills is wonderfully clear and bright with a beautiful straw color and tight white bubbles. It has a snappy flavor with crisp lines and wonderful citrus tropical hoppy flavors and aromas. Plus, at 5.4% ABV, it'll help you coast right through your day like only the 21st Amendment can. Coaster Pills, as well as our summertime favorite Hell or High Watermelon Wheat, are available wherever you find great craft beer. Beautiful re- beautifully done, ladies and gentlemen. I like the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, man. It's less work with the old guy. All right, Taryn, you ready? You want to talk a little bit about the... Yeah. Just, whatever you're talking about? Um, logistically, if she goes off again. Yeah. Should I stop? Like, what should I do? Uh, well, I mean, I can, I can go. Yeah, I don't no, know. No, because I need you to push the buttons. So hard to say. Just figure it out if it happens. Just figure it out, man. Yeah, just finish your sentence. I guess. Okay. Yeah, I guess. This is working from home, guys. <laughs> I'm ready when you guys are. Yep. Usually, you like lead me in, so I was just waiting for something. Okay. I already did. <laughs> Sort of. Yeah. Uh, the 1960s were an amazing time for the Walt Disney. <sighs> Sorry. I, I'm. You're right. I'm a, yeah. I just, it, I wasn't ready to just be thrown into it. So I just okay. need to like. That's all right, man. I'm like, want to get the sillies out? It's not sillies. It's like, I, I'm, I just need my brain to switch on it's singing songs still. So. Okay. Sorry. What, what can I do for you? Uh, just give me a second. Okay. <laughs> want a shot? No. Okay. No. 
I actually practiced this, if you guys can believe it. but I can, for sure. Well, look, you got a lot going on, man. It's all good. Okay. You want to um, hold Cookie Monster? No. You sure? No. <laughs> um, you want to hold my hand while you read? No. Hold this thing right Stop here? It. I don't think you're helping. You're not wow. helping. Shut up. <laughs> do you just want to start over? Kind of. Okay. Do you want me to to do a better job leading you in? Yes. Okay. You want to want to leave and come back in? <laughs> no, just usually okay. you're like, um, all right, and you're going to take us through the history of Epcot Center. Okay. That's what you want me to say. <laughs> I don't want to write the script for you, but... Yes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but usually you say something like that, and this time you're okay. like, and Taryn's ready to go, and I'm like... Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I okay. guess I just was. All right. It's a little <clears throat> different than usual. Got I also it. haven't done this for like. Got five it. Weeks. No, no, no. Look, it's my fault. It's my fault. No, it's not your fault. I will. Um, <laughs> I will do better. Oh my gosh! I was just in there. The lights were low. So I need. To, I'm just. It's my muse. So I need to 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 learn how to be a better actor. Hold on. Punch it. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Taryn, you're going to take us through the history of Epcot Center. Is that correct? That is correct. All right, I really can't wait for this. Ready? Whenever you are, we are all waited in bated breath. Our be- our breath is bated for all of the information to come into our olfactory senses and procure knowledge into our folds of our gray matter. Wonderful. Thank you. The 1960s. <laughs> The 1960s were an amazing time. Stop. <laughs> All right, go oh ahead. Sorry. God. Go ahead. Olfactory is smell, by the way. Yeah, just, I know. Just putting that out there for the listener in case. Yeah. All you, you right. Know. All right, Jimmy, go ahead. The 1960s were an amazing time for the Walt. The 1960s were an amazing time for the Walt Disney. For- God. <laughs> this is the show that had a blooper reel, but we do. <laughs> Oh my God, this episode certainly does. Jeez. Okay. The 1960s were an amazing time for Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company. Disneyland was open and thriving. There were many successful films, including 101 Dalmatians, Mary Poppins, Jungle Book. It was the era of entertainment. Disneyland, for example, was a huge success and the biggest, most extensive project that Walt Disney himself had produced. Among the many, many successes throughout Disney's career, Disneyland was his ultimate crowning achievement. But if there's one thing we know about Walt, it's that he's never exactly satisfied with any kind of end result. Being the type A overachiever with connections, fame, money, and supportive fans, he had the ability and the means to keep coming up with new ideas, new concepts, and new expeditions into innovation. Walt's circle of friends included many in the technology field, so he would often be shown new and exciting technologies, and he'd want to find a way for his company to make use of them. His visions, no matter how big or extravagant, were often met with positivity and an an enthusiastic thumbs up. In the 1960s, Walt's family was also growing. He was now a grandfather. And similarly to how he sat on that bench in Griffith Park thinking about his children, he now wondered what the future would look like for his grandchildren. He was wary of the current urban landscape. Modern cities were becoming hectic and dirty. He was concerned about rising crime and the disorganization he saw in local governments. And while maybe it's an unfair comparison, Walt wanted to see an urban landscape that was tidy, maintained, and as well run as his theme park in California. Don't we all? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Hallelujah. Still a dream. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) He began to think about the enormous amount of knowledge he and his Imagineers had learned while building Disneyland. They had researched and learned everything from building construction and cement work 
to space in relation to people and management of restaurants, hotels, and entertainment. He started to believe that this knowledge could be used in planning communities or even whole cities. Walt started doing research on city planning and what exactly might go into a project of this magnitude. Around the same time, Disney presented four pavilions at the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair. This was his opportunity to both showcase for the East Coast the Disney style of entertainment, especially for those who hadn't visited Disneyland, while also gauging the interest level of the East Coast consumer. Walt wanted to know if the East Coast might be ready for their own Disneyland. The World's Fair was a huge success, and Walt determined that the East Coast was ready. Walt had his eye on a few locations for his next theme park, including St. Louis, Niagara Falls, Washington, D.C. area, New Orleans, and Florida. And after hiring the Economics Research Associates, the ERA, to perform a market study for Eastern Disneyland, it was determined that Orlando, Florida would be the best location for Walt's next project. So on November 14, 1965, Walt and Roy Disney met with Florida Governor Hayden Burns for the inaugural Walt Disney World Press Conference. Clip number one. Walt Disney, who will bring a new world of entertainment, pleasure, and economic development to the state of Florida. Walt Disney. Thank you, gentlemen. May I, may I also introduce on my left the financial genius of Walt Disney Productions, its president, Mr. Roy Disney. Disney, this is the largest press aggregation I have ever seen in the state of Florida, and I think it bespeaks the interest of the six and a half million citizens of Florida for the great expectations that they have from this hour. Well, Mr. Governor, uh, this has been a wonderful reception that uh, you've given us here. All the faces seem friendly, and uh, we feel very much at home. And, uh, of course, this is a big, exciting project for us, too, you know. I mean, uh, in fact, it's the uh, biggest thing we've ever tackled. And I might, for the benefit of the press, explain that my brother and I have been together in our business for 42 years now. He's my big brother, and he's the one that, uh, when I was a little fellow, I used to go to with... Uh, some of my wild ideas, and he'd either straighten me out, put me out the right path, or something. Or if he didn't agree with me, I'd uh, I'd work on it for years until I got him to agree with me. Got him. <laughs> By the way, the population of Florida now was twenty one point two two million people. <laughs> Six million. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Jeez. So the funny thing about this press conference is that Walt never mentions exactly what he's building or what his plan is, only that something will be built. He honestly sounded a little unprepared to even talk about it. Totally. In that he's like, I'm, I'm Roy, everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and what will be in the Reedy Creek episode that I didn't include here is that he tried really, really, really hard to hide the fact that he bought land mm. and people found out. Okay, and I think that's why they had to have. I think they had to have a press conference because it was like there was like rumors floating around, and he didn't like that. So he's like, "Okay, yes, we're bu- well, yes, we bought land, and we're doing something." Mm. 
So he didn't have any answers for anybody. <laughs> it's okay. just like we're here and we're shaking hands with Florida, basically. There you go. The reason that he didn't have um, any answers is because he didn't really know at this point what exactly was going to happen. He ju- he didn't want to just replicate Disneyland, however. In Florida, he would have the luxury of land, and he wanted to make use of it by creating something bigger, something new, and something extravagant. Walt already knew his Imagineers would be up for the job, but what is the job? What will this land be? Throughout the late 1950s and early 1960s, Walt kept being shown technologies that he wanted to use, but he kept being told that the technology wasn't ready for consumers. And this frustrated Walt because he liked what he was seeing and he wanted to find a way to make it available for more than just commercial businesses. Walt's concern about the future for his grandkids, his confidence in his Imagineering team, and his determination to bring Disney to the East Coast all helped with the creation of his next project. But it was really this perpetual desire to bring new technologies to consumers and to create a sort of intermediary between consumer and and corporation that truly led to the development of Epcot. Clip number two. The most exciting, the far, the most important part of our Florida project, in fact, the heart of everything we'll be doing in Disney World will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. We call it Epcot, spelled E-P-C-O-T, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Here it is in larger scale. Epcot will take its cue from the new ideas and new technologies that are now emerging from the creative centers of American industry. It will be a community of tomorrow that will never be completed but we'll always be introducing and testing and demonstrating new materials and new systems. Walt wanted to build an entire urban city. And like he said in the clip, it would be the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, Epcot. But this city wouldn't look like or be based off of any city that anyone had ever seen. His vision included a real working city with an urban city center. Residential areas, industrial areas, schools, churches, shopping, hotels with tourist recreation, and a series of mass transportation systems that would connect the community. Not only was it Walt's vision, but he worked on this project nonstop until his death. It was his dream to see this utopian community come to fruition. He even designated a spot atop the the hotel rooftop where he wanted a bench placed where he and Lillian could sit and marvel at what he created. Jeez. Like Thanos, (laughs) after he completed the 50% thing, he retires to the thing and just sits. Walt was quoted saying, it will be a planned, controlled community, a showcase for American industry and research, schools, cultural and educational opportunities. In Epcot, there will be no slum areas because we won't let them develop. There will be no landowners and therefore no voting control. People will rent houses instead of buying them, and at modest rental prices. There will be no retirees. Everyone must be employed. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, but let's start with how, in a democratic nation, can you legally run a city where the inhabitants have no voting power? Enter the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Now, 
as I said before, there is so much information about how the Reedy Creek Improvement District was formed that it is going to be given its own Ears Up episode because it's very interesting to me and I think you guys might find it interesting. But here is a super brief rundown. Special districts like the RCID, the Reedy Creek Improvement District, are nothing new for the United States. They've been around since the mid-1800s and were originally designed to lessen the administrative impact on local governments while the U.S. was in the midst of massive industrial growth. So, for example, during the construction of a new city, instead of bogging down the county and city governments with all that goes into, like, power generation, a power company could instead create a special district for the project where they could manage this permitting themselves by electing a board of experts. This benefited the project because the permitting would happen more efficiently and the government because they could focus on other matters. These special districts were almost always single-purposed in nature. For example, waste management, power generation, fire protection, etc. When it comes to special districts, the parent government, so the state, county, or city government, neither serves nor appoints the special district's governing board. And this actually elevates a special district from merely an advisory board, so like your city's zoning board, for example, to the level of the parent government serving in an actual legislative capacity. So while not uncommon, Disney's lawyers innovatively used this concept to develop a multi-purposed special district which compiled many of the known uses for special districts into a single larger scale one. And there was no precedent here for not doing this. So after some negotiation, the Reedy Creek Improvement District was born and it Hmm. gave Disney a lot of governing power. One of the most important powers that was debated between the state and Disney during the creation of the RCID was that Disney didn't want to allow people residing within the district to vote. This would inherently dilute Disney's power over decisions for the city. So after much debate and a lot of billable hours, the state of Florida agreed to a provision that, quote, prospective non-landowner residents of the district, such as renters or landowners owning less than one half acre, would not be entitled to vote in board elections. And this is important because this essentially gives Disney, who owns a vast majority of the land in the district, almost all of the voting rights or most of the voting rights, and all of the power. Now, back to Walt's quote. There will be no slum areas because we won't let them develop. There will be no retirees. Everyone must be employed. Now, I had never heard this particular quote before researching this topic, and I immediately found it startling. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not only can no one vote or own land in Epcot. Somewhat off-putting, actually. It is. It's bizarre because no one can vote or own land in Epcot, but they also can never retire and must always work. So aside from seeming like inconceivable, it also feels very George Orwell 1984. And while I think it's meant to come off as some sort of positive spin on like a utopian version of communism, it actually comes across to me as more authoritarian. When I first started researching this, all I could think is when you're in like fourth grade and you're supposed to come up with your, like your most perfect like city mm-hmm. and then and then you go, yeah, and you send it to your teacher and you, you make your board and you're like, yeah, that's it. Like it seems so unrealistic to me, but it, you know, it does. And I came across that quote, actually, it's, it sort of makes the rounds whenever you want to, I don't know, realign Walt's ideas with reality. You know, there's there's a certain faction of people or a certain set of people who like to point to Walt as saying, oh, he was like pro-fascist or whatever. And they pull this quote out specifically. 
mm. for that because there's you know a lot of uh, fat fascistic platforms that have sort of been built on that. You know, you don't own anything. You don't get any rights, basically. And you have to always be working. Mm-hmm. You have to feed back into the system. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't know. It sounds to me like that's it was just an idea where, you know, like blue sky where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be great. And everyone will be working and it'll be it'll be good. But he hadn't worked the details out about how that will work. It sounds like in his mind, it's just we want everybody just to be producing and be innovative. Mm-hmm. That's more of, I think, where he was trying to go. But it it definitely it's a shame that he never got to finish it and it got so changed because it would be interesting to see what he actually meant by that. It was never meant to be a place that you would move to permanently. You actually would be there for on a like you'd you'd rent, but you would only live there for th- you know a two year lease or a three year lease, and then you'd actually have to leave. It Mm -hmm. wasn't, and that's why it's not meant to be a permanent residence. That's why the first word is experimental. That this is a place where you go to try things out. So you go and you like that is that was one of the things that you're trying out, right? So it was meant to be a showcase, and people would actually come and see the people who live and work there. You're almost an exhibit, a living working exhibit, but only for a certain amount of time. So it's not like you can't retire you have to keep working until you die it's okay you've been here for three years and now it's time to bring in someone else because they want to keep the blood fresh so that it is innovative so it's not meant mm. to be this is where you go and live and, it's and, almost, and surrender your rights forever it's, it's a it's a trial which is why you couldn't buy i'm assuming correct yeah, it sounds like a, a lot like corporate housing like let's mm. we're, we're working on a project get all the get all the guys down here and we'll we'll Put them up in apartments and we'll do the project. Well, and that's exactly right. Because next to Epcot was, so you had Epcot, which was this city. Next to it, you had an industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And that this was meant to be where the people who worked in the industrial complex lived. Yeah, no, and that, that, that does make sense also because he really, he wanted to run a city like a business. So it does sort of all come full circle. Hmm. So anyway, let's get back to his actual vision. In the original concepts for Disney World, Walt wanted to make full use of the Florida land with Epcot as the central location. Or the central attraction, I apologize. Guests would arrive at Disney World Airport, which would be located in the southernmost part of the property. And while it may seem extraordinary for Walt to want his own airport, it wasn't actually as outlandish as it may seem. In the late 60s, the Orlando International Airport was known as the Orlando Jetport at McCoy, and it was a simple, small commercial airstrip that operated out of a portion of the McCoy Air Force Base. Now, later, when this base was decommissioned, the old missile hangar that served as the terminal was transferred to the city of Orlando and became the Orlando International Airport. Oh, is that why it's MCO? Yes. Still? Ah, Okay. Well, actually, no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go in the press room. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that, I did. That read seems something like not a stretch. That. Yes, agreed. It, it does seem like it's not a yeah, stretch. Yeah, sounds fine. Sounds fine to me. Yeah. Sounds believable, Terry. <laughs> uh, a newly designed terminal with modern facilities wasn't even opened until 1981. So it does make sense that Disney saw a need for an airport to allow his guests, especially those traveling far, to arrive at Epcot in an advanced and modern airport. And part of the legislation that created the RCID did indeed grant Disney the power to build and operate its own airport. 
And for a brief time in the 1970s, small jets called Twin Otters could land on an airstrip on the property named the Lake Buena Vista Stolport, which was essentially a featureless 2,000-foot landing strip and taxiway. Disney commissioned two airlines to fly into the airport, Shawnee Airlines and Executive Airlines, which had several flights daily for a short period of time. Unfortunately, outside of this project, both airlines had a hard time keeping up with the booming with booming tourism and larger plane fleets, and both airlines closed down before they were, were able to make the Disney dream a reality. Upon reflection, however, the Disney company realized, especially once Magic Kingdom was open, that having an airport or better yet, not having one, had no real effect on their attendance. So the plan was totally scrapped. But I digress. Now let's get back to Walt's dream city. In Walt's original vision, guests would fly into this airport and would be welcomed by Disney hosts who would be able to speak the guests' own language. They would then take the monorail to the Epcot Central Industrial Area. Guests would have the opportunity to tour the park's offices and laboratories, uh, which would be occupied by major American corporations who would use the facilities to develop new technology for use in the city. Mm. Walt Disney hoped that seeing how this city was run would stimulate people to return to their own communities and encourage technological growth where they live. He's putting a lot on people. (laughs) Yeah, well, and especially because, you know, like Jeremy's saying, if you're only here for three years or whatever, what are you going to do? I don't know. Are you going to take that back to your city and be like, well... We should be more innovative. I don't know. It just doesn't seem it's it's like people go into the army and they go, well, I'm going to the army because they can teach me skills. But you get out of the army and it's like you only know how to work on military grade stuff. Mm. It doesn't really like technology sometimes doesn't really translate to the private sector and sort of like problems with, you know, onboarding military personnel into private sector stuff for that reason. I wonder if it's like that. There's like there is like some sort of disconnect with how do you apply what you've learned? Yeah, I don't know. In your own city. Well, and and I took that as even like the tourists, like tourists mm. seeing this stuff and going back and what are they going to go to their city council and be like, we need a monorail. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just sort of weird. Well, I do think that he expected people to go back and go to their, if they're, you know, LA had a proposal for a monorail for mm. a number of years. And I think he, the idea is that that people would go back and when your city council is voting on something, you go to your city council meeting and, or you'd contact your local representatives like civics. I think that like Mm. he was civic minded. So Mm. I think he expected that that's what would happen, but it's all about creating a groundswell of support for something. So if enough people are coming through there millions of a year, and then someone says, Hey, we want to do this in our town. You'd have a, you'd have political support for that. Mm. And you'd, if so, if one politician says, Hey, I want to do what they did in Epcot here Mm. and gets elected, then, then it happens. So I think that's where he was going with it. He it's, it's kind of odd. It's almost like he wanted to like reframe the world. (laughs) It's a big, uh, it sounds like big undertaking. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Epcot itself is based on a simple yet familiar design, the radial concept. Similar to the layout of Disneyland itself, the city's core would be at the center with the transportation sprawling from there in a sort of wheel-like design. The urban density would then dwindle as the city fanned out into the more outer ring of the community where the residents live. The community would include single-family homes and apartments with parks, schools, churches, hotels, shopping centers, and everyone within the community would be an employee of the city in some capacity. 
Not wanting the city to be riddled with traffic, Walt had the idea that all imports, including truck deliveries, would be brought into the city via underground tunnels. And while cars would be permitted, they would also utilize the underground roads. But ideally, you wouldn't even need a car at all and would instead use one of the two mass transit systems, the people mover or the monorail, to get anywhere you needed to go. The Disney board of directors were skeptical. They wanted a surefire hit, an East Coast Disneyland. Walt was not keen to the idea of making a second Disneyland, but he eventually relented to the board and agreed to put the theme park in the northernmost corner of the property, which would force guests to travel through Epcot to get there. Everyone was in agreement now. Walt, the board, the Florida government, even Roy gave the green light. So in October 1966, Walt made a film formally announcing his massive project. Clip number three. That's the starting point for our experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And now, where do we go from these preliminary plans and sketches? Well, a project like this is so vast in scope that no one company alone can make it a reality. But if we can bring together the technical know-how of American industry and the creative imagination of the Disney organization, I'm confident we can create right here in Disney World a showcase to the world of the American free enterprise system. I believe we can build a community that more people will talk about and come to look at than any other area in the world. And with your cooperation, I'm sure this experimental prototype community of tomorrow can influence the future of city living for generations to come. It's an exciting challenge. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. Speaking for myself, and the entire Disney organization, we're ready to go right now. We're ready to go right now. So, unfortunately, two months after this, to the shock and sadness of everyone around the world, Walt Disney passed away on December 15th, 1966. He sounded tired in that clip. Yeah. Now, it's rumored that he talked about Epcot with his brother Roy up until his dying breath. Roy made it his mission to make sure that Walt Disney's vision came to fruition and made a lengthy presentation trying to push the project forward in February 1967. But without Walt to drive this massive project forward, the board wasn't convinced that they should continue and they decided that they weren't as a company in the business of running a city. That said, the concept of Epcot was instrumental in prompting the state of Florida to create the Reedy Creek Improvement District and its two accompanying cities, Bay Lake and Reedy Creek. Now, remember that control over the RCID is vested in the landowners of the district, and the promise of an actual city in the district would have meant that the powers of the RCID would have been distributed among the landowners in Epcot, which could have included other corporations that Disney chose, not actual residents. But because the idea of Epcot was never implemented, the Disney Corporation remained almost the sole landowner in the district, allowing it to maintain complete control. To even further their power over this land, when Celebration Florida came to pass, the district boundaries were actually redrawn to exclude that city, the city of Celebration, so that owners wouldn't dilute Disney's control over the district. So with full control over the RCID, the Walt Disney Company could basically do whatever they wanted with this land now. So, of course, they started with Magic Kingdom, since it was their surefire hit. Magic Kingdom opened its doors on October 1st, 1971. And four years later, in 1975, Cardwalker, president of the Walt Disney Company, announced that Epcot would be built. 
but that it would be a system based on communication of new ideas and not a living community. The park would span 305 acres, twice the size of Magic Kingdom, and about 17 White Houses. It was constructed for an estimated $800 million, although this that number is it fluctuates depending on where you look, and took three years to build. At the time, it was the largest construction project on Earth. The original plans for the newly conceptualized park showed some indecision over the park's purpose, however. Some Imagineers wanted it to represent the cutting edge of emerging technologies, while others wanted it to showcase international cultures and customs. In one meeting to discuss this, Marty Sklar and John Hench famously pushed a model of the futuristic park together against a model of the World's Fair international theme idea, and it was decided that the newly designed park would feature two sections, Future World and World Showcase, and they called it Epcot Center. Original concept art for World Showcase shows it as two connecting semicircle buildings that would connect all of the pavilions. Each pavilion's entrance would have equal amount of outdoor space for signage and decor, despite how much space was inside for each one, and this was done to show guests that no one pavilion was better than another. World Showcase would include a courtyard of nations, a high-rise observation tower surrounded by 30 pavilions, allowing for each nation to display its culture to its guests. In July 1975, Disney presented its plan for World Showcase to dignitaries from Iran, New Zealand, Belgium, Venezuela, the United Kingdom, Romania, the Philippines, the USSR, Israel, Mexico, Italy, Greece, Germany, Denmark, and Australia. First of all, check your tone on the motherland pronunciation, please. Greece? How dare you? Absolutely, how dare you? While most people believe that the countries showcased currently are funded by those countries, that actually isn't true. Disney didn't actually outright ask countries to pay to be showcased. Rather, they assumed that the idea they presented would be enticing enough to encourage countries to want to participate. Oh, yeah. Here's a briefcase of cash. (laughs) Just thought you might want it. (laughs) You tell me. Yeah, I don't know. No strings. Yeah, they were hoping that that the countries would actually set the value of of the whole place. And the hope was then that other countries would follow suit and that the funding for World Showcase could also then fund Future World. Uh, What is he, in Bitcoin? (laughs) Unfortunately, due to a downturn in the economy and energy crisis at the time, the response from foreign sponsors wasn't as expected and the plan shifted. Now Disney tried instead to procure commercial sponsors for the future world side and instead use that funding to help sponsor the construction of World Showcase. For this reason, they also decided to build both Future World and World Showcase at the same time rather than in succession. Now also at this same time, Imagineers decided to flip the plan completely. So instead creating Future World out of two semicircle buildings and World Showcase would instead be a set of buildings built in a circular formation around a lagoon. There were originally nine international pavilions at World Showcase, Mexico, China, Germany, Italy, USA, Japan, France, United Kingdom, and Canada. Morocco was added in 1984 and Norway in 1988 and there have been no additional countries since then. Not yet. My man Lee is working. my favorite. My man Lee is on the case. We're going to get a Greece pavilion soon. I can feel it. I can feel it in my domades. Future World, on the other hand, was grouped into two major areas on the east and west sides of the park. This became known as as Communicore, which was essentially two semicircle buildings which housed various pavilions devoted to new or upcoming technology and science education. 
The East Building contained pavilions dedicated to oceanography, health, and food agriculture, while the West Building's pavilions showcased technology through attractions relating to energy, transportation, and space. What we haven't talked about yet is Epcot Center's Weenie. Whoa. Well, you know what? Let's let's take a break. We'll come back to the Weenie after the jump. Sounds good. All right. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back here on Ears Up Podcast. And now, back to the show that ignites your dream wish of imaginations and magical color wonderment of forever. Ears Up. All right. So we are um, talking about Epcot Center's weenie. Uh <laughs> The iconic centerpiece of the park to draw guests in is none other than Spaceship Earth. Spaceship Earth is actually an evolution of an earlier idea for an Epcot-themed show, but became the dominant visual icon of the park. The enormous dome facing the entrance plaza provided the gateway between Future World and World Showcase, resembling something of a cross between a UFO and a giant golf ball on stilts. The ball-shaped dark ride attraction served as... The sort of introduction to Epcot Center by telling a tale of how technology progressed through nations and time. This was the perfect centerpiece and method for conjoining this otherwise arguably disjointed park concept. Now, Disney broke ground on Epcot Center on October 1st, 1979, and exactly three years later, on October 1st, 1982, opened its gates to guests. And while this date was actually a soft opening for the park, Card Walker, then Disney Company president, gave his welcoming speech. Clip number four. Epcot Center celebrates human achievements and innovation born from imagination. It is a showplace dedicated to entertain, we hope, with a purpose. Our goals for Epcot Center are quite clear. We want to first entertain, then inform and inspire all who come here, and above all, to instill in our guests a new sense of belief and pride in mankind's ability to shape a world that offers real hope to people everywhere in the world. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why that's very funny to me. In the world. Thank you. <laughs> I like how he made it very clear. Their goals were very clear. All yes. of the words afterward were the goals. Right. And they were clear. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so later that month, on October 23rd, the grand opening of the park was televised, of course, and hosted by actor-singer Danny Kay. Dancers and band members performed We've Just Begun to Dream, clip number five. Good. I love that song. <laughs> so good. So good. Celebrate. 
Well, and of course, everybody's favorite duo, the Sherman Brothers, also wrote a song especially for the occasion entitled The World Showcase March. Clip number six. Oh, God. During the opening ceremony finale, doves and many sets of balloons were released. Also, I feel like those two things shouldn't go together, but whatever. (laughs) Choke on it, (laughs) dove. Groups uh, representing countries from all over the world performed in World Showcase. And this is my favorite part. Water was gathered from major rivers across the globe and emptied into the park's Fountain of Nations with ceremonial containers to mark the grand opening of Epcot Center. Kind of love that. It's pretty cool. So so cool. They just tore it down. Oh, <laughs> so sad. So what began as an outlandishly grand idea of how to reshape the the way in which we live and work and travel became through a variety of unexpected twists and turns, a theme park dedicated to Walt's original core ideas, just in a more achievable way. Clip number seven. So that's what Epcot is, an experimental prototype community that will always be in a state of becoming. It will never cease to be a living blueprint of the future, where people actually live a life they can't find anywhere else in the world. Everything in Epcot will be dedicated to the happiness of the people who will live, work, and play here, and those who come here from all around the world to visit our living showcase. We don't presume to know all the answers. In fact, we're counting on the cooperation of American industry to provide their very best thinking during the planning and the creation of our experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And most important of all, when Epcot has become a reality and we find the need for technologies that don't even exist today, it's our hope that Epcot will stimulate American industry to develop new solutions that will meet the needs of people expressed right here in this experimental community. So while it may seem like merely a shell of his original vision, and perhaps today's Epcot isn't exactly a blueprint of the future, I do think Walt would take solace in that Epcot is indeed one of the most talked about and visited locations in the world. Walt's core vision still presents true today, that Disney was trying to create a great, big beautiful tomorrow there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day there's a great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's just a dream away man has a dream and that's the start he follows his dream with mind and heart when it becomes a reality very good, Taryn. Thanks. And, um, yeah, that's obviously only going through 19, 
whenever, 1982 when it opened. So yeah, there's a lot more to Epcot. Um, but in order to get there, you have to go through the Reedy Creek stuff. You have to find out that he had an air, that he wanted an airport. Like you have all to. of this stuff is so important to to get to where we are today. So yeah. we'll, we'll do another one. And you, you know, you made a good point, and that's sort of what I was thinking too. Where because I didn't know too much about the the back history, and you know, I, I hear a lot of Disney World and Epcot fans, you know, say, "Well, you know, if only we knew, or if only Walt could have finished his dream and do that." And it's like, yeah, I, I get that, but I sort of also now understand the pivot to we need a theme park instead of a city by the board they're running a company and i will say that it is uh, lucky or it's nice that at least they left epcot as an educational location even though it's not producing anything necessarily i mean out in the living with the land and whatever but for the most part, it's just sort of like there to, you know, showcase different countries and you learn a bit about energy and, you know, test track or mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah. at least that's at least that's something. And, uh, you know, you, you like you said, people are talking about Epcot still. It's probably the most popular park in Disney World, I would guess. I would think so. I mean, everybody that I know, everybody that we talk to, the place you want to go back to when you go to Disney World is Epcot. Yeah. Mainly just to drink a lot. But... <laughs> Yeah. In Walt's uh, memory, that's why. We toss a few back, right? Yes. I don't know. There Let's create a park for college kids and tired parents. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. I I, I just, I, I, there's lots of like debates on whether or not that could have happened. Like I actually saw, I didn't watch it, but there's a YouTube, maybe we can watch it on a, a walkabout, but there's um, a round table discussion on whether or not Walt's version of Epcot could work. Oh gosh. And I feel like that could be interesting to watch, but I didn't, I didn't have time to click on it. Yeah. But Jeremy, what do you think? You think you seem to be tied into this. Do you think Walt's vision could have worked as a functional, like long-term thing? Yeah, I mean, it pro- I, I think he probably could have done it. If there if there's a person who could, it's him. Mm. There are a lot of planned communities. You know, there's 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 places that are along those lines where you have a lot of control. And yeah, um, I, I think he probably it may not have been. It wouldn't have started off how he originally wanted it to look, but I think he that was part of his plan that it would evolve and there would be new solutions. And if that didn't work, okay, well, we'll try something else. This was supposed to be a, like a living laboratory. So he probably would have adjusted with it. Um, I don't know, but maybe you need that person always doing it. I mean, Epcot as a city, I don't know how long it would have lasted because Epcot, a theme park hasn't even lasted. I mean, it's not, (laughs) it's not what it was when it opened. They can't even figure that. Like they, like (laughs) this, this is the backstop and they've, they've screwed over the backstop. So I don't know. Yeah. I I just went on a really long uh, trip from my (laughs) initial thought, but. (laughs) No, but I I think that you bring up good points. And I, I, I think that, I think it could have worked for like a year. Until you get a disgruntled employee or until somebody has to move out and they don't want to, they don't want to leave. Or like, I think that there's just so much that go, that would go into the human part of running Mm -hmm. a city. And I think that's what, that would be, I think the obstacle is, I think Mm -hmm. he could handle the city if it was all robots, but you have people with emotions and opinions. And I think that's where it would get tricky for him running a city. 
Yeah, I would I would love to have seen more detail on on how it works. I mean, you it, it sounds really vague. Oh, there's buildings uh, you know, occupied by large companies. But are large companies going to want to, you know, you have a a project for 3 years and then everyone rotates out and then what, you start a new project or you have to retrain all these people or or you know what I mean? It just seems like a lot of working parts. And then, and then are, are people really going to want to come in and look at a building? But, yep, this is light industrial. This is where the thing happened. I, it just it seems like a really grand idea that would have been pared down in execution. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you're not you you're essentially losing your ability to vote. What do your taxes look like? Are you still paying the same? Yeah, like that. That's all very. Hmm. Well, hopefully, GE is paying the rent. I, I mean, if it's a if it's a, a corporate sort of place, maybe maybe you don't just live there on your own. I, maybe the company foots the bill. I don't know. That's yeah. yeah. Well, and one thing that I kept wondering about is like like in in my job, like throughout my career, I have always wanted to move to the next level. Like I'm always working towards something else. So if I were to go and live in this city. And I'm I'm working as a janitor, but I I want to work in the hotel office. Do I even have is there any opportunity to grow or is it just I'm a janitor for the three years that I'm here and I have to be happy with that? Or like, you know, like these are these are the human things that like yeah. I just question about the whole right. thing. Right. Yeah. You're an under city dweller and you always will be. You'll <laughs> yeah. never be above right. ground. <clears throat> That's yeah. right. That was Westworld. yeah uh but it was you know fascinating stuff and i really do wish that it would have been implemented at least partially the way he wanted to to have that city just i'm curious to see how it would have you know shaken out it would have been a trip because oh my god dude yeah i can't imagine it's it's really hard through today's lens to think to think about that like maybe in the in the early 70s maybe it was more attainable maybe people were more agreeable i don't know maybe not but like it just feels so impossible it does well and it also feels like it sort of would have devolved into like a cult like you would yeah. look at you would look at the people <laughs> yes. who lived in epcot like you do like the mormons or something like yeah. oh there's those people well, or... but I then you have to leave after is... a couple years too yeah so. it's like, oh you were you lived <laughs> in epcot <laughs> yeah my kid I, can't play with your kid anymore i do think there's an aspect of of unrealisticness about it because I mean Walt's notorious for hey make this happen mm-hmm. there was there's bound to be a That's time true. where some where it's gonna come where it can't it can't happen it can't be made to happen I agree but like and then like Jeremy says though I if don't think anybody... there are, I don't think there are detailed plans for the city laying no. in a binder somewhere. <laughs> that's like, what, I don't, that's I what I'm saying. It's... it's very much like uh, this is a blue sky thing. But like Jeremy said, if anybody could do it, I think Walt would have been the guy to push the project forward. That's what he was really good at, driving a project to sure. completion. Well, and the weird part is, is I agree with you. It, it feels very blue sky. That is weird, yeah. But <laughs> he put this on TV, a 24-minute thing about everything that they were going to do. And it's like, who does that if they don't have it all worked out? Walt. Like, I mean, could you imagine that happening with social media today? He, no, but I mean, he was doing that with Disneyland, too. He was putting that stuff out. That wasn't, you know, he did a whole it's show. True. They needed a show to showcase Tomorrowland that wasn't even thought about. That's the true. only reason Tomorrowland was planned out was for TV, not even to build the park <laughs> in Disneyland. So he, he did get so, ahead of himself. Yeah. That video that you're referencing that he filmed wasn't produced to be televised. 
oh, it was really? produced as like an informational video to give to corporations. Mm, okay. So, I mean, it still it, it still eventually got out there, but that people weren't sitting at home watching that gotcha. video. That was for like the CEO of GE and stuff like that. I see. Okay, interesting. Well, very good. I can't Crazy. wait for the rest. Now, let's do a little bit of Disney news. A little smidge. Sure. Let's hear it. All right. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. All right. A little lighthearted commentary here today from Insider.com. I was a fur character at Disney World. Here are five things guests should never do to them. Jeez. I'm presuming all five are light them on fire. (laughs) Please do not light them on fire. Uh, While performing as a fur character at Disney World, I often got asked about mistakes people made during meet and greets. How do you make a mistake during meet and greet? (laughs) Strong. You're not meeting the queen. You don't have to curtsy. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. That's setting a table. (laughs) There are many ways to ensure a guest, a great guest interaction, but you might want to consider avoiding these things next time you're at the parks. Uh, Number one, it's stressful to be scrambling for autograph books and pins when you're meeting characters. The character attendant, the non-costumed employee who's stationed with each character, will probably announce at least five times that you should have all pins and autograph books ready throughout your wait. But for some reason, people just don't seem to get it. (laughs) Having everything ready allows more time for you or your family to interact with the character, which can create a more genuine interaction that isn't rushed or transactional feeling. I mean, true. I guess. But like, I don't know, man. The title is... Here are five things guests should never do to the fur people. And one is one is not be ready. I don't know. Waste their time. Yeah. Uh, yeah this is like ordering from the soup Nazi yeah. and Seinfeld. Exactly. Like, don't have your order ready yeah. when you get up there. He gets mad. No yeah. character for you. <laughs> um, number two, touching or treating characters like toys is a big no. Okay, yeah, I get it. Yes, don't touch people. Sure, that should be just in general. That's it, a life less. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Unless what? it's you, unless it's your your own body or it's consensual, don't touch people. Yeah, isn't the idea that little kids hug them and hold their hands and stuff? That's the other thing. Yeah. I guess I've seen so many interactions. Just stand next to them with kids and adults alike that consist of pulling on Pluto's tail or Mickey's ears. There was even one time when a guest pulled a piece of fur off my costume. And a part of my neck was exposed. Whoa. Good thing it was your neck. Yeah. <laughs> After the interaction, the guest was told they wouldn't be meeting any more characters for the day. Anyway. Uh, number three. Don't I got character banned. Yeah. 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 How does that even happen? How do you stop somebody from visiting characters? God, can you imagine all the, the Disney blog articles would be written on that? Someone posted followed. on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, number three. Don't ask characters for a photo or autograph when they're clearly walking somewhere else. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, this is still America, dog. I can dog. ask any question I want ever. Yeah. That's why they always have the person with them who's like, no, go away. Yeah, just tell me right. no. Yeah. But I can still ask. Number right. four, purposefully asking questions that the character can't answer isn't fun for anyone. Yeah, okay. I mean, I get it. But like, I don't know. Fur character performers. Yeah, like, what, what well, I'll tell you. Fur character performers aren't allowed to speak when in the big costume. So asking them an uncomfortable question, such as "Is it hot in there?" can really make the interaction awkward and weird. They can nod. 
Yeah. yeah. Also, yes. can't they just do like a dance? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going like, to go up to Pluto and be like, who'd you vote for? Like, yeah. What the hell? Hey, Donald Duck, could you solve this logarithm? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a brief moment so I can spread the good news to you? Also, if you're any good at your job, you can answer these questions. It's not awkward. Or ignore like, them. Yeah. You don't actually have. This is the thing. You don't actually have to respond to someone when they ask you if it's hot in the costume. Yeah. You put your arm around them. You look at the picture, you take the picture, and then you push them away. <laughs> and then you fart loudly and audibly. Then point at them. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, number five, don't force your child to meet characters if they're uncomfortable. Well, that I agree with. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in an uncomfortable character, you should not be meeting any children. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Um, this isn't really a news story, but it's an audition for, and we've talked about this before, which is why uh, I thought it was pretty relevant. Turtle Talk with Crush. You can audition to be a turtle. T- you can be Crush at Walt Disney World right now. Wow. Like, yeah. Cool. Uh, Walt Disney World uh, minimum is eighteen twenty four an hour, including potential equity pension, equity 401k, and Disney Health. The seeking Disney Live Entertainment is accepting online submissions from comedic slash improv actors for Turtle Talk with Crush at the Walt Disney World Resort. We will only be casting for sub positions. So I guess like substitutes or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Crush. This role is scripted and also improvises. The actor cast will need the ability to impersonate the voice of Crush, the surfer sea turtle. So when we did the history of turtle talk, I think that was like a, a question. That we was were a asking. thing. We, I was like, it's, you know, some places said this, some places said the other. Yeah. So it you sounds know, so you like you have to mimic his voice. You have to mimic his voice. A cl- and I think I was the one going, ah, you could probably just fake that. But I'm dumb, so what do I know? A clear, accurate speaking voice is essential. Manual dexterity, a plus for digital puppetry technique. So the voice actor is also doing the puppetry. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's an ask for $18 an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Well, plus Disney Health. So there's that. Sweet. Anyway, um, if you're interested, I don't know, just Google it or something like that. <laughs> what do you want from me? Link in show notes. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then going over to Disneyland for the next couple stories, two nighttime shows are closing this year in Disneyland. I thought that we had two little shows that they were just starting to come back, but apparently they've been back long enough where it's time to close them now. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade, which just came back in April, is now leaving again on September 1st of this year. Isn't there a band that like just keeps retiring, but then they keep coming back or like like an artist? There's like and I can't think of who it is, but like somebody that just maybe it's a basketball player. I don't know that that retires, but then they just keep coming back. That's the electrical light. Should be the Rolling Stones, I think. But uh, I will actually be there the last day. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. You should should wave goodbye. The other one leaving will be the Disneyland Forever Fireworks. Hmm. All right. They also returned in April. And the fireworks will be leaving on, I don't think it says, or maybe it's both on the on September That's 1st. That's a pretty short stint, April yeah, to... both. They should get rid of Mickey's mixed tape. Oh. <laughs> that sounds dreadful. Set it on fire. <laughs> so it's a fire mixtape. Throw it in Jeremy's lagoon with his barges and let it drown. That's right, Jeremy. It's your lagoon. It's your barges <laughs> <Yours>. now, dog. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I don't want any. I don't. We've got enough problems in that lagoon. Don't oh, throw any more junk Christ. in that. Could you imagine if they put the mixtape in the lagoon and they were like reflecting it off? <laughs> so bad. 
I can't. Well, I, I have a friend who's got herself all in a twist about this. And I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> we are reaching, as of this Saturday, is when if you bought Magic Key last year, you can renew it 40 days out from the your, the date that you bought it. So we're coming up on 40 days out from when the people were first able to buy Magic Key last year on Saturday. There is no word about this being people being able to renew their magic keys. Hmm. Oh yeah. Oh. So uh, there's a big and everyone's wondering what's going on, but at the same time Disney's teasing like that this is going away and it's almost like people they think that people are like maybe trying to create a sense of urgency to get people in there, they might not have their magic keys much longer. Like there's a whole thing. Hmm. And wow, um, it's yeah. like why are you doing that? Just give us the magic keys. And also my point is is Disney I think nighttime parades are a brand element of Disneyland. I think you should expect them just as much as you expect fireworks. And I feel like Disney keeps flirting. Like, sometimes we've got it. Sometimes we don't. Magic Kingdom hasn't had one for five years or however long it is. It's like, can you guys commit to this? This is your thing. This is your brand element. Stop, like, get one. And if it's going to be replaced with Paint Tonight, fine. But you've got to have a nighttime parade. It's your brand element. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And they have uh, the Oogie Boogie's fri- uh, Frightfully Fun Parade. I guess it's coming back also, but... So is it maybe like just... A replacement? Yeah, like like down for the season? Yeah, maybe. I, you know, I also sort of feel like enough already with the friggin' Main Street thing. Get rid of it or or keep it, but stop stop pulling it away. It's like the third time they've brought it back, and like, oh, well, now it's going to go on, but this time forever. Well, that's oh, that's right. kind of what I mean by yeah. the, the band thing. Just enough, like, like I don't care anymore. Now you keep being sad, like, it's going, and then it's yeah. And they back just and you're like, oh, and they just you, revamped it. Do you yeah. guys remember when they took away the electric light parade for the first time? There was like commercials, like come and see it before it's gone, before it's gone forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. then. I don't yeah. know. Five years later, it was like there it rolling is. through DCA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just keep moving it. Yeah, just Mickey yeah. blowing the dust off the thing, which it's is fine. Like with the me. McRib. <laughs> it is, and it's an amazing parade. I don't want them to take. I don't. I don't want them to take it away forever. But also, yeah, stop. It's stop making it a toy yeah. that you're dangling in front of us. Like we don't care that much. Just say it's, it's seasonal. It's so nostalgic, and it, it. You're right. It is so like on brand. They should just keep it. Just just call it seasonal. And I don't have yeah. it run for sure. five months every year, and that's it. Yeah. That way, and you, you keep it fresh. You rotate it out. Speaking of rotating things out, I don't know. Uh, later this year, uh, Disneyland will launch a feature on its app allowing guests to tag their parking spot. The car locator uses location technology, which is a great descriptor, to <laughs> location technology. Uh, to, was it a map? GPS. Wow, these Imagineers <laughs> are something else. Yeah. It's a paper map. This is location technology, guys. Uh, to save guests parking information, and will be free for everybody to use. So you can uh, park your car, and you get in the app, I guess, and be like, this is where my car is, and you'll find, you can remember where it is. Free for okay, now. Okay, but like legit, that's pretty cool. Because I lost my car at Disneyland once, and it took me 40 minutes to find it. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. I would, and I only found it because every other car had gone. I would murder people <laughs> at that point. This is, um, <laughs> I was one so technique. pissed. I was like, where the hell is my car? Sam was like, I'm just going to sit because Abby was a baby. He's like, I'm just going to sit here just because he couldn't remember where we parked. We didn't oh, take a picture of the God. thing. It was 
terrible. That's I that love Seinfeld. This. I actually, I love this idea. Uh, well, it is also sponsored. Legit. Yes. The iPhone has been keeping track of where your car is since 2016, and you don't oh, even yeah. have to set it. It just does it. <laughs> Remembers. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you go to the maps, and it goes parked car. I think Waze it, has that too. I literally didn't know that until this moment. Waze will <laughs> well, do that. But yeah, it's like, I mean, also, I don't know. I can buy an air tag and just leave it in my glove box. <laughs> you could do that too. Or this is a, uh, sponsored by State Farm. So it'll be a sponsored service. Okay. So there you go. People online oh, are like, I, I just take a picture of the thing. I, oh, but this is great. Good. I know. They want you in that app, baby. Right when once you get on the property, you're on the app. You're never leaving the app. You're in the app. Mm-hmm. I would really rather that they improve the app with things like making park reservations and seeing my reservations in the app. Like, because inst- you go to the app, but then it just you say make a park reservation and then it bumps you over to a website. Right. Yeah. So I would really rather that they made that more seamless and let the iPhone keep track of where my car is. Like, I don't need the I don't need them to duplicate. Well, what- now that I know that's a thing. Yeah, I, I heard they're working on a new feature that will it'll count your steps. Oh, really? <laughs> My phone does that already. Bum, bum. Oh. That was a joke. I, I actually do. I actually do know I that like, my phone does that. Ding! That was a joke. <laughs> we got the, the, the joke bell. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, really? Every, well, because I kind of feel like they probably are. I got well every time after Jeremy says something, I got to go like this. And there you go. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Now, last but not least, we got some rumor talk going on. Everyone's favorite. It is everyone's favorite. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. Anyway, there's a rumor that the people mover is going to come back to Disneyland. No. And this is, yes, as part of the huge Tomorrowland overlay that will be announced in September at D23. The rumor is that they are going to announce the return of the people mover. That's it. There's really no I, any more information. I would die. I'd be I think it's I'd, fantastic. I think that would be amazing. I just don't I, think I don't believe it because I don't well. want to be disappointed. I I don't believe it because like talking to a few people who know a few people who know things about the parks, they're like I've, I haven't heard about this. Plus, in order to reuse the the track, that system that's already there, it has to be demolished and rebuilt. Like you can't, you can't just repair the track. So that that's what they're going to have to do is, is just demo all of that stuff. Plus there's a lot less real estate for the, the ride to go. So maybe like in the old smoking section, maybe by like um, where those, uh, the motor boats were, maybe the people mover can go around there, but what ride what do you mean is less real estate. They didn't take anything away. Well, uh, Astro blasters took a big chunk. Um, it, the people mover used to go through where star tours is right now. You, they don't, that doesn't, you can't use that track anymore. So unless they're going to go through the ride, like, what rides are they going to go through? Just doesn't really seem like enough of. You're just, you're benefit. not an imagineer. You're a negative. but wouldn't it be great if they they just they started disassembling the track and then they accidentally disassembled all of the buildings and then completely redid tomorrowland then they don't have to be so uh they don't have to have so much ingenuity look at that this is the 17th ride we've put in the same building that's been here since 1955 put new stuff in there just redo the whole thing well that's the thing is you're you're saying it's a tomorrowland overhaul 
well, I don't see why it it's such a drastic thing to take that track. You act like taking that track down is the is is a near impossibility. They made they made the railroad move for <laughs> Star Wars. That's true. Whatever <laughs> Disney World has closed the 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 railroad around Disney World has been completely torn up. Made a new tunnel to make way for the new um, Tron coaster. Like. Taking that out of there during an overhaul doesn't seem like such a feat. It doesn't. You're absolutely right. But they've they re they overhauled it already in like what ninety five when they did the new Tomorrowland and it was still up. And I think I I, I guess the problem is I've always heard and and I sort of tend to believe that it's just easier just to leave it up. So I can't imagine but, it ever going away because they haven't done it up to this point. They haven't. It's it, still there. So why now? I don't know. If you work for Disneyland and. Your job is, you know, making sure there's money coming in. And you hear over and over and over again, countless times, bring back the people mover from everybody. At what point? I mean, at some point you have to listen. You figure it out. You're like, ah, you know what we should do? Right. Well, and you're also hearing Tomorrowland sucks. Tomorrowland has always sucked. There is nothing to do in Tomorrowland and skipped Tomorrowland (laughs) (laughs) altogether. Like never step foot in there. I mean, I look together. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the people mover. I thought it was great. I just don't see it coming back to Disneyland because there's less places to go. And why now? It's a, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to spend when they already have a couple of projects working already. I just, I don't see I don't see the spend. I mean, maybe after Splash Mountain gets redone, then maybe that's the next project in the pipeline. So maybe a, maybe several years down the road. I don't know. I just I guess I just don't see it because it's like, well, why hasn't it been done already? Well, I- it's added capacity that doesn't require a huge real estate. Like they don't have much more empty expansion pads there. Like they, you mm-hmm. know, where they've taken out the ranch or whatever. This is this is a new attraction that can go above your head. Yeah, build up. And it'll be a people eater because of uh, because exactly. of the nostalgia. I mean that line yeah. will be insane and you're it'll going be terrible. On, and you're going on the people mover. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of just really smart. <laughs> if it's true, I it's I true. still don't think that I it's hope real. It is. I don't I hope, so I hope it is too. I just don't think that it's real. Yeah, you would have to tear it all down and rebuild, put a ton of money into into the new technology. I just don't I don't see Disney spending money to resurrect a ride. I mean, this would be the only ride, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, that Disney would bring back from the dead like that. No, they brought back the and then it died again. But remember the thing that it, it, that was like t- you rode around on air tires. Oh, blew yeah. the air up. Remember? That was in Tomorrowland. And then they brought it back. That's sort of. Yeah, yeah. And it still didn't work. Yeah, it, it still didn't work. The maybe, worst maybe 30 listen. minutes of my life. I have two things that I will say about this. Okay. One, because I'm very negative a lot, but I want to say if this happens, JPEG is good in my eyes. I will sew my lips permanently to that man's behind. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. That's number one. the top of his bald head. So on the one hand, I would just really love that they would bring back an old attraction like that. That would add capacity to the park. That wouldn't mean taking, getting rid of something else. I would really love that. But there's something less tangible that I also would like about it, and that is it will give it will renew my hope in the company and in these parks that it's not all because I feel like in the last few years the trajectory of the parks is away from anything I really like or enjoy mm-hmm. anymore. 
And this would signify to me that it doesn't only go in one direction and that actually that might mean that other things could come back. Mm-hmm. Well, it also is like just be adding things that I don't like. They're, so I, lis- they're listening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it's a lot to ask. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, waiting like, for a right. wager. Do I want to make a wager? Let's make a wager. If the people mover comes back, I'll do it. All right. How much do you want to put? Hundred bucks. All right. Taryn, can I borrow hundred? We have to have a time. <laughs> like we have to have a time, right? So, like, by when? When does this bet come to? Like, well, if it's not the, in motion by 2025. No, no, no. The rumor is the rumor is that it's going to be announced at D23. So, if it's not announced at D23, then I win the bet. Okay. All right. Fine. When right. is D twenty three? September. Oh, all right. That's the rumor. In August. This is fun. Start sweating now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I like this, and we're I all witnesses. I know this is fun. Now I'm cutting this out of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else want to get in on that action? I just I don't see it. I just don't see it. I I I want to believe it, but I I just don't see this being a uh, a priority for the Disney company. I just don't, I don't know. I just don't see it. I'm on Team Jeremy because I really hope that it is. I, I, yeah, I hope that it Jeremy. is no, too. I That's hope, what I'm telling you. I makes, hope it is, also, but it, it doesn't makes, make sense. It does make sense. It absolutely makes sense. Okay. Keep in mind these are the same people who are telling you that there's going to be a, a, a Space Mountain overhaul for the Buzz Lightyear movie. So it's not, I just don't. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's from the same source, so... I mean, but also, that doesn't make sense, but that also isn't that much of a stretch. It would never happen. I mean, yes. Yeah, I'm space sorry, have we all been space. to, like, what is it, like, Scary Space Mountain? I forgot what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost or Galaxy. Hyperspa- or hy- yeah. yeah, thank you. Or yeah. Hyperspace Mountain. It's it's not, probably not that hard, throwing Buzz Lightyear's voice and a couple projections. Not that difficult of an overlay. I agree. Two years ago, this company built a robot just so they could fling it in the air. <laughs> built a fact. robot. That thing is a mannequin dangling from a rope, and I won't believe anything else. <laughs> they have tra- look, but they do invest in things like trackless technology. I, like I don't think it's such a stretch to put cars up on a thing above us. Like it doesn't seem that crazy. I mean, when it already this, existed, when it, it already, already exists, right? they have the technology successfully. So the other thing is. And this might be a stretch, but I think JPEG does have some motive. He's been out there saying we, – we have him on the record saying he doesn't like that he has this JPEG name. He says he doesn't want to be known as the bean counter or a penny pincher. I think that he's looking at this and saying, I think we can build this actually and have it not be that expensive and get these people off my back for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think he's like also looking at – he could buy a little good JPEG will. How well, about and so here's another <laughs> – Here's another thought on this whole thing is, yes, they cannot use the existing track, but they can use the existing layout of the track. So they would probably have to demolish the whole top, but they have they, they wouldn't have to demolish the um, what's it called? Load bearing. The beams. Thing, the beams, which I think would be the most expensive part of that. I think that they would. I think that that, that whole structure is not. Is unable to support the weight of a ride anymore. It's just gone. It's just so you 
Yeah. So you retrofit it. There's there's ways around things. No, I, look, you got, I understand that it can be done. <laughs> you don't understand. I'm just saying they're not. I don't see Disney putting the money or the time into doing this. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, think, I know it's possible. I think that they will because I think that this is. I think they're grasping at straws on crowd control. I think they're looking at anything and everything to make money and eat people. And you're probably right. I just don't see the people mover as being their solution because it would have been done by now. I think this, it would have been I done think by right now. now is a bigger problem than it was f- five years ago. I don't know. They're ago. making they're making tons of money. I think that I don't think fine. the money part. I mean the people eating part. Eh, I, don't know. I think that's an in- extreme problem right now. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm excited to see what happens. Me too. And it's going to be such a weird episode when one of us has to hand over that cat. Oh, man. Oh, absolutely. When, when we want you Venmo it over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do they make Mickey Bucks anymore? This is what I'm paying you in if I lose. Monopoly I money. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't specify uh, currency. <laughs> so maybe yen. 100 yen. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There is. There's a match. It'll cover the cup. 15 cents. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks a lot very much for tuning into the show. Taryn, you did a great job. Thanks. Thank yes. you very much for doing that as well. Jeremy, thanks for sitting in and telling uh, Taryn that she did everything great. Or she did something. a good job. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. absolutely. Uh, next week is in-depth. Jeremy will not be joining me, however. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but watch the socials or Discord or Patreon or whatever, and I'll, I'll post that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe Eric or Bev wants to join me. I don't know. Who knows? Sure, I'll be maybe. on the road, broski. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, anyway, um, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>